you grab your Bibles, turn me to Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3. Um, you can go ahead and be seated. You can go ahead and be seated. Colossians chapter number 3. Um, if you don't know where Colossians is, uh, that's okay. Uh, look inside your um, uh, table of contents in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you let me know. I'll get you one, okay? Uh, you got an Old Testament and a New Testament. So Colossians in the New Testament. You just write, write it down. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And we're going to be in Colossians chapter number 3. Um, I, I don't want to, every time I come up here, I want to talk about something about the music. But what I love about, about what it is is that um, uh, worshiping God is not, um, how do I want to say this, is not limited to a certain style of music. Uh, now, there, there are some people that feel like, you know, the only thing that's, that's good and holy and decent is old hymns. And I know there's a group that says, you know what, the old needs to be put away and we just need to do the new. But here's the deal. God can be honored in both. God can be honored in both. And so uh, here's what we try to do here. We're trying to look at, first of all, are there songs that have words that honor God and are biblically faithful? And is, 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 is from the standpoint, is this, this give us an opportunity to glorify Him more? And I don't know about y'all, like I was really close at the end of Blessed Assurance. I was like, I know, I know the next song coming up, but I feel like I need to go preach, okay? But I was like, but I really want to get this one too. So it's just really cool to see how God can work in the old and the new. Say amen. Okay, he can do that. All right, uh, let's pray and then we'll start. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for, um, Lord, how you're working and how you're moving. Uh, in so many different ways, and Lord, I know, especially in the series that we're in right now, there's a lot of people there getting a lot of help, and Lord, that's exciting. That's exciting to see how your word can change our lives, and how your word can help us to become who we need to become, not to be a better version of ourselves, but become more like your son, Jesus. And so, Lord God, as we've gone through this process and talking about being overwhelmed, that, Lord, you would continue to work today as we talk about a specific area of our life. To where, because it's not in a proper place and the standpoint of priority, that Lord, maybe that's why we're feeling overwhelmed because we have this out of order and are not doing it according to your word. So, Lord God, help us today. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, here's the title of the series we're in. Series we're in. One, two, three, here we go. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, okay? This is, I think, week five, all right, week five, so if this is your first time here, you need to go back and watch it. Uh, we, you now can go online to templebaptistfairview.com. You can watch it by video, or you can listen to it. This sounds very self-serving to go watch a message that I preach, but really, I think it would help you to kind of understand, but overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed with our schedules. We're overwhelmed with our families. We're overwhelmed at work. We're overwhelmed with our finances. We're just overwhelmed. You ask somebody how they're doing, there's two, uh, two answers you'll get. One is fine, which is a lie, okay? And the second one is busy, because we're so running 100 miles an hour, and we have determined here over these past couple of weeks that that is not God's will. Can I get an amen? That's not God's will for us to feel overwhelmed all the time, but yet we are. And so last week, we talked about, we had a message called Out of Order. And so we established an order that needs to be in our life. And so here was the order. We said God is number one. Now, we established for the first couple of weeks that God is number one in every area of our life, okay? So God is number one. But even from the standpoint of order, of, of what gets the, the, the attention after God needs to be our spouse, then our kids slash family, 
work and then ministry. Now, I talked to some people afterwards, the message, and they're, they're, they were like, well, what about this part? And what about this part? I'm not saying those aren't good parts. I'm not saying there's not six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But we need to be careful of anything else that we add to this list that we don't need to replace one of these things with some other things that may be good, but maybe not best, all right? And so what we talked about last week is we're going to take each one of these and we're going to talk specifically how do we make these people a priority. Now, I think Frank Sinatra said it best. Frank Sinatra said it best. Love and marriage, love and marriage Go together like a horse and carriage This I tell you, brother You can't have one without the other yes. okay, Sorry. Uh, I, 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 I wanted to do my best Frank Sinatra impression and some of the young people in here is like, who's Frank Sinatra? Google it, okay? He's a really good singer. But I love what he said at the end. He says, you can't have, I'm going to try to do my best Frank Sinatra, you can't have one without the other. Okay, all right. So, title of the message, title of the message is Love and Marriage, okay? So we're going to talk about how do we make our, our, our spouse a priority? How do we make our spouse a priority? And by the way, we're redeeming that song. Okay, some of y'all know that song from different things. We're redeeming that song, okay, for the Lord. All right, so here we go. Love and marriage. Love and marriage, you can't have one without the other. Now, before we get started in this is um, a couple things. Somebody's going to say, well, I'm not married, so this isn't for me, okay? Um, You might be one day, all right? Uh, another thing is, you may not be married right now, but there's probably somebody you know that, that their marriage is kind of not where it needs to be, and you can help them, okay? Uh, and if you are married, it, it, we're not, we're not, we're not wanting to just have good marriages, we want to have great marriages, say amen. Okay, we want to have great marriages, okay? So, love and marriage. Let, let's, let's start from, well, let's, let's look at Colossians, because some of you are like, I don't like that order. All right, Colossians 3, this we looked at last week, and we'll just look at the section that talks specifically about marriage. But in verse 1 of chapter 3, from verse 17, it talks about our relationship with God, okay, and our responsibility as a Christian. So God is first. And so you see in verse 18, where he goes from there is he says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. You can say that word bitter can mean cruel, um, can mean hurtful, or even resentful against your wives. So wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. So we see that he goes from our, our, our role as a Christian and God being first to the next one being husband and wives. All right. So we're going to come back to this in just a minute. But from the standpoint of marriage, we've got to go back to the very beginning. So let's go back to the very beginning of your Bible, which is going to be in Genesis. So Genesis 2. So Genesis 1 is the, the, the creation account about God making everything, and it was good, and, and you know, six-day creation, he rested on the seventh day, all that kind of stuff. But see, here's what happens in Genesis 2.18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be, what's that word? Alone. So it wasn't good for, for, for man to be alone. I will make him a help meet for him or a helper for him. Verse 19. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field 
and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So just so we're clear, if you don't like the name of your animal, Adam's the one who picked it, all right? So here we go. Verse 20, verse 20. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a help meet for him. And so God creates all these animals, cattle, fowl, everything, and, and Adam names every single one of them, but none of them, none of them are suitable as a helper for Adam. Verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Verse 22, and, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And so now we have, we have Adam and now we have Eve, verse, verse 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24. This is important. Therefore, okay, because of what God did from the standpoint of trying to find a, a suitable helper for Adam, that he, it was not good for, her, for him to be alone. So he made it woman, and here's what he says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his what? Wife. Not to his woman, to his what? Wife, okay? To his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And so here we see this, this first understanding of husband and wife of marriage, okay? Of marriage. Now, let's talk about this for a little bit, all right? Uh, one is we need to understand that 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 there that God that that Adam saw that God needed another person in his life, okay, uh, someone to help him from that standpoint. So we see that. Also, what's really interesting is that they shall be one flesh. Now, sometimes we look at our marriage and we go, our marriage is about becoming best friends. But the goal of marriage is not friendship; it's oneness. Oneness. And I'm explain that. And uh, just so, so we can kind of understand that oneness, because what happens is we think, okay, I'm this person and I'm that person. But in, in, in a constitutive marriage, it is not one individual and a different individual. It is saying that it is it is two individuals coming together to become what's that word? One, to become one oneness, oneness. And in the in the in the verses we look at in just a little bit, you'll understand this oneness a little bit more. But here's what, what I see sometimes in, in, in marriages is we think we have to compete against one another. Okay, um, I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't sing this song, but opposites attract, usually. Usually opposites attract, okay? I think because if, if you're the, exactly the same as your spouse, that would be really annoying, okay? Because you would get mad at them for things you are, so whatever. All right, so opposites attract. I'll use an example, okay? My wife and I are very different. Would you agree with that? Say amen. Okay. <laughs> We're very different. Okay. Some of y'all don't, don't, don't even know that Katie came today because she's that quiet. Okay. And she's just a very quiet, very uh, timid individual. Um, she's inc- incredibly compassionate, incredibly kind, very tender hearted. Like she is just awesome. And I'm the total opposite of that, okay? Um, my, my wife looked at me because she, she heard from the first service that, that there was a possibility that I said I was going to have an illustration of her standing up here, and she looked at me and says, do not bring me up there. 
Because Katie does not want to be in any way, shape, or form in the limelight. And I, I don't want to reference her because she's hating this right now. Say amen. Okay, there we go, all right? And she said it. You just couldn't hear her. She went, okay, all right? But, uh, but I'm loud and boisterous and annoying, okay? <laughs> all right? I can be a little demonstrative at times. And so here we are. I'm this loud, obnoxious, out there kind of individual. And Katie is the quiet sweet and timid one and sometimes what happens especially early in our marriage we felt like I felt like we were competing because guess what I was trying to change her and she was trying to change me how do you think that worked not at all okay (laughs) I'm still a work in progress I guess she's like you should have seen him a couple years ago I don't know all right but we're but we're different but we don't compete against each other we complement each other we complete each other. Where, where, I am, where I am weak, she is strong. Where I am strong, she is weak. I'll give you an example. I need to tone it down sometimes. Say amen. I need to tone it down sometimes. And my wife helps me with that, all right? But there's sometimes where I have to pull a little bit more of excitement out of my wife. And I'm in trouble now already. Okay, so there you go. So, so I need to tone it down, and sometimes we just got to be like, woo, all right. Um, but really what's interesting is I feel like I've toned down a little bit more, and you've gotten a little more. I think we've kind of become more one. Would you agree? Sure. Wow, wow. Okay, I'm, I'm uh, okay. All right. But oneness, oneness, all right. And, and, and really, because here's what I figured out. I can't change Katie. And she can't change me. This is who I am, all right? So here's what we got to figure out. Either we, either we endure it or we embrace it. Are you embracing it, baby? <laughs> we got to embrace it, right? Because it's not, it's not two different people. It's one. Now, I'm going to say this real quick, and this is, this is, this is bonus material. I don't want to call it a commercial because I don't want you to fall asleep in the commercial break. But here's what I want you to understand. This oneness becoming one flesh, this is not just about a physical act. Okay? But I will say this from the standpoint of the physical act. The physical act has more, more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It has more impact than just the physical act itself. Because this oneness is not just about a physical act. This oneness is about an emotional connection, a, a, a mental connection, a spiritual connection. And I'm going to say this real quick. I don't know why people, people don't want to talk about this anymore. And I know it's 2019, but there is a, a, a framework from which God has said that physical connections, and I've got kids in here, so I've got, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Say amen. Okay? The physical connections happen in the confines of marriage. Marriage. Okay? We're not gonna we're not gonna back up from that or anything. It's just oh my gosh, the church is saying this. We need to be. I don't know where we went from from let's do it the Bible way to hey let's just make sure it's safe. Here's the safe part: do it in the confines of marriage. That's safe. All right. And and here's why I want to say this is because so many I think we society has making out to be it's just something casual. It's just a physical act. It's more than a physical act. It's more than that. Because here's what happens, that there's this, this connection that you're, 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 you, you now have made with this person that is very intimate and personal in a way, and then you go on your merry way and do that. Let me help you with that. The physical act may not be happening, but the emotional connection is still there, the mental connection mental connection is still there, and the spiritual connection is still there in some way, shape, or form. It's still there. 
And so here's what I want to, I want to help all my, all the young people, every single person, as, as much as you need to keep yourself pure, you need to guard the heart of everybody else that's of the opposite sex. Because here's what you want to do is you want them, you want that moment to be reserved for them and the person that God has for them in marriage. Don't steal something from a man or a woman that they're supposed to give to somebody else. Say amen. Don't do that. Because it's bigger than that. And so I don't know where, where this whole, it's just casual, friends with benefits, all that kind of stuff. That's wrong. That's sin. We're going to call it what it is. All right? So from that standpoint, let's be careful. Um, uh, teenagers and single people, like, like that is, a, that is a, an act that is so, so, so deeper than just a physical act. Uh, that's your bonus material. Let's keep on going talking about marriage. All right? Let's go back to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. It says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Now, Here's what's going to happen. Some of you are going to turn it off because what's happened is we have taken a, a, a way society looks at something, the way the world looks at something, and now we think the Bible isn't true. Now we think the Bible doesn't make sense. Buchanan, it, it, this is archaic in nature. This is, this is in some ways, I was, I'm going to use this word, su- suppre- uh, um, suppressive in nature, and, 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 and especially when we talk about that submission stuff. Now, hear me out on this whole thing about submission stuff, but let me help you with this. The Bible is not wrong. Can I get an amen? The Bible's not wrong, okay? The Bible was never the problem. We're the problem, okay? Here's what happens. We take, we take Scripture, men or women, and here's what we do. We twist it, and we do what we think we think the Bible says. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at what the Bible says, about what it means to what the husband's supposed to do and what the wife is supposed to do. But don't turn me off thinking that, man, this is old school stuff. This doesn't even go, all that kind of stuff. No, here's what I want to help you with. It works. It's worked since the beginning. Okay? God has a way of doing this, and it works. And here's what's kind of interesting. We say it doesn't work, but, but the idea of divorce is something very new in comparison to all of uh, creation. It's something very, very new. And so we, we, the reason why I think we're having a lot of divorces is because we're not willing to do it the way of the Bible. Now, here we go. Now, let's dig deeper into this whole idea. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Now, we talked about this, this section of Scripture a couple weeks ago because when we looked at it, that this really is a picture from the standpoint of Christ and the church. But the last verse we'll look at, it says, nevertheless, it talks about marriage relationships. Okay, so this can still be there. Now, first things first, verse 21. Some of you want to jump to verse 22, but we've got to look at verse 21, which says, submitting yourselves one to who? Another in the fear of God. So there is this level of, of mutual submission, all right? So when we talk about the next thing about wives submitting to their husbands, there is that level of mutual submission that's going on. The word submission means, or submit means to, to yield or to surrender, Okay. Because there's, all, there's times throughout our whole entire lives where in order for us to do what God has asked us to do, we may have to surrender or yield what we want to do for the benefit of what God wants to be done. Say amen. 
Okay, so sometimes I got to sacrifice in order to do that. And there's been times recently where I've had to sacrifice some some time that I wanted for myself for the benefit of somebody else. So there is that mutual submission that's going on and in the fear of God. So why do we submit one to another? Because of our reverence for God. Now, verse 22, it says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. As unto the Lord, okay? So as wives submit to their husbands, it's the same way a wife would submit to the Lord. And really, from the standpoint of submitting to our husbands, is a way of, of also acknowledging our submission to the Lord. Verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, all the husbands in here, you are the head of your house. You are the head of your house. Husbands are the head of the house, okay? Verse 24, okay? Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so that the wives be to their own husbands, here's the big one, ready? Number, number, here's 24, ready? Say it with me, very end. In everything. Now, here's where we have a problem. Here's where we have an issue. Because you're like, okay, that don't work in my house because my husband makes dumb decisions. Okay? But the Bible says to be to their own husbands in everything. Now, why do we have a problem with that? A couple of problems where we have that I've seen in, in, in this society that we live in and, and how marriage is. One is uh, that um, men are not willing to take the lead. Men are not willing to take the lead. Every time we pass it off to let the wife make the decision, let the wife make the decision, let the wife make the decision. Now, now you can go extreme on this, okay? One of the worst things in our household is trying to figure out where we're going to go to eat. Anybody else feel me on that? Oh, man, it's horrible. Especially when you let the kids have an opinion, too. Now you got four different opinions, all right? Now, here's, here's I, I, I give a, you know, I, I say this, I'm like, literally for me, it doesn't matter where we eat. If I just have something in my stomach where it don't growl anymore, I don't care, all right? So, so, so sometimes my wife will look at me and say, you make the decision about where we're going to eat. And then I say, we're going to go here, and she's like, I don't want that, okay? So you know what I'm feeling. You know, that's how it works sometimes. Okay? I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. Because really, where I go to lunch today is not a big deal, all right? But what I'm talking about is there's some major decisions that needed to be made in your, in your household, and you just played off like, I don't care whatever you want. That don't work, man. You can't always say, I don't care whatever you want. Because here's what we do. I don't care whatever you want so that when it doesn't go right, I know who I can blame. Okay? Don't, don't do that, men. You can't pass it off. All right? So sometimes the reason why a, a, a wife is not willing to submit because the men will not take the lead. On the other side, okay? Now, by the way, husbands get more verses than, than wives do. So just letting you know that, okay? Pick on the husbands a little bit more. But wives, some of y'all will not allow your husbands to lead because you've got to make every decision and you've got to be in control and you've got to... And, and so he wants to make the decision, he wants to take the lead, but you never allow him to do that. And so since he never gets to make a decision, he just backs off and says, whatever. That's not good for a marriage either. Okay? So we, so we have one side of it that, that, guys, you never take the lead. And two, wives, you may not let your husbands ever take the lead. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay? Husbands don't take the lead. Wives won't let him take the lead. All right? But... But men, you are the leader of your home. You're the leader. 
You're the leader. And that's not, and I, I talked to somebody the other day, and they're like, well, I don't think the whole leadership thing, whatever. Y'all are partners. That's, that is agreed. You are, you are in partnership together. But let me help you out with how it happens in my home, how it happens in my home, okay? We, we, we talk in, back and forth and come with a decision, and we may come to a mutual decision. Great. But there have been times, there have been times in situations where I was on one side and she was on the other and a decision had to be made. Now, I will tell you who made that decision. I made that decision because I'm the leader of my home, okay? Sometimes, sometimes Katie didn't like the decision that, that was made, but a decision had to be made. We were on two different sides, so I made the decision. Now, some of y'all, we're going to talk about this just a minute because, like, okay, he makes bad decisions. We'll talk about, let's address that. Here we go. Verse 25. Husbands, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Okay, so now we, we talked about the wives, and we'll talk about the submission thing in just a minute, just to understand a little bit more how that works. But from the standpoint, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, what did Christ do for the church? Starts with a D. He what? He died. He died for the church. He died. So, so this, this idea of how do we love our wives is in a very sacrificial, dying-to-self nature. Paul says, I die daily. Uh, even, even Jesus himself says, you know, uh, let him, uh, if any man follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Okay, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. There, in, a, in, a, in a marriage relationship, there's going to be times where you're going to have to sacrifice what you want, guys, for the benefit of your family, for the benefit of your marriage, for the benefit of your wife. Okay, verse 26. That he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the what? Word. Okay, now this is where the section really more talks about Christ and the church, but it's very interesting from the standpoint of what are we trying to do and how do we lead our spouses? How do we, and more specifically, guys, how do we lead our wife? Because here's what, what needs to happen. Here's what your wife needs to have confidence in. that The, the, the leadership you're going to show, by the way, let me say this, you are the spiritual leader in your home as well. And we'll talk about that a little bit more next week when we talk about family and stuff, because some of y'all struggle with that being spiritual leaders. But here's what's kind of interesting is you, here's, if, you, if, you, if you, want to, you need to make the decision, she needs to have confidence in your decision that your, that your decision is based on this. One, it's a prayerful decision. That you actually prayed about the decision that need to be made. Also, that the decision you're making is according to the Word. According to the Word. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you guys. If your wife knows that you have prayed about it, that is, uh, that, is, uh, that is according to the word, there's going to be a whole lot easier submitting to that authority because they'll know that the authority that you're submitting to is to God. Say amen. Okay? Now, I'm not saying she will, she'll always like it, but here's the deal. I don't like everything. <laughs> Sometimes I don't like the things that I should do, ought to do. You know, I want to do something else, but what I'm supposed to do according to God's word and according to the Holy Spirit guidance, I'm supposed to do it that way. And so, but, but here's the thing, the, the, the respect you'll get from the standpoint of, okay, I, I, I'm going to honor that decision he's making because she knows what, you know what, this decision is not based upon just what he wants, this decision is based upon what God wants. And that's important, that's a big, big change, okay? Verse 27, verse 27, 
that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. Verse 28. So ought men, okay, so we hear this. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth himself, or so, loveth his wife, loveth himself, okay? And, and, and I'm going to acknowledge this. Us guys, we can have a lot of ego. Because I'm the man. All right? We can have a lot of ego. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Maybe I'm, I'm the only one in here or whatever. I don't think I am. But, may, like, I, like, we have ego. We have pride. We think we're the man. <laughs> there, I mean, I, I, sometimes I have to let my kids understand who the real alpha dog is in the house. Okay? It's me. I'm the alpha. All right? And, and, but but what, what it is is that, you know what, we do love ourselves. we selfish people. And so as much as you love yourself, man, that's how much you're supposed to love your wife. Okay? Let's keep on going. Verse 29. This is great. This is great. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, obviously, but nurseth it and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. What I love is that word nourish and cherish. Nour- nourish and cherish. Okay? So, so here I am. I, I, I need nourishment. I need, I need, I need to be, I, I need to provide for myself some nourishment, okay? So it's provide. But then cherish, I look at that as protection. Protection. So I need to provide for my own body, and I need to protect my own body. Let me help you with this, guys. Here's your responsibility for your wife. You are to provide and to protect. You provide and protect. Let me, let me help you all with this, okay? I am, who is responsible to provide for my family? I am. Okay, I am. Does that mean my wife can't work? She can work. Does that mean your wife can't make more money than you? That'd be awesome. I'd be totally fine with that. My wife may work. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, my, the responsibility of providing for my family, it's my responsibility. Say amen, guys. It's my responsibility to do that. My responsibility to provide. But on the other side, it's my responsibility to protect. If somebody comes to my house... I'm not sending my wife out there. I'm not sending my kids out there. I'm going out there. I'm supposed to protect them. Okay? So I'm supposed to provide and I'm supposed to protect. Now, you want to say this whole 2019 thing, unfortunately, we got guys that won't do either. Now, here's what what needs to happen. Us men, we need to start acting like it. Like men. I'm telling you, and you can say what you want to, my wife likes when I act like a man. Say amen. Okay, there you go. And your wife should do too, okay? But I I understand. I've got to provide and I've got to protect. As much as I would my own body, I'd provide my own body, protect my own body. I need to provide and I need to protect. You are the provider of your home. You are the protector of your home. You need to be the strong, like, hey, if, if, if uh, there have been times, I can't tell you how, how many times, and, uh, and this is not throwing off on Katie, but from the standpoint that there have been times where it was just like, what are we going to do? And I had to be the strong one. I had to, because if I'm the, oh, guess what she's doing? She's losing her mind. <laughs> I've got to be the strong one. Now, I'm not saying that you can't be weak from the standpoint of weak and God, I'm, you know, in his weakness, I'm strong, all kind of stuff. I get that. But we need some real, true, blue men. Say amen. Be the provider. Be the protector. Love her. Man, love your wife. Like, 
passionately love her. Verse, verse 30. Verse 30. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. Verse 31. For this cause, we'll go full circle again. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be what? One flesh. One flesh. Verse 32. This is a great mystery, just to make sure we're all in the same. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church, verse 33, just so you don't think I'm lying. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Reverence her husband. This can work. Now, I didn't say this in the first service, but if, you have, if you're in a situation right now where you have an unbelieving spouse, um, uh, check out 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, okay? If you have an unbelieving spouse, check out 1 Peter 3, and that will give you some, and if you need to talk about that more, we can help you with that. But from the standpoint of a husband and a wife, hopefully from the standpoint of the husband and the wife that are, that are Christians, put their faith and trust in Jesus, pursuing after God, this works. It works. Now we can say what we want to, but it works. So how are we going to test this? Here we go. This will be fun. Okay. So how do we make our spouse a priority? How do we make our spouse a priority? By making our marriage a priority. Okay? By making our marriage a priority. So here's what I want you to do. Got a little homework for all my married couples in here. Here's homework. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a time, an uninterrupted time. Okay? What does that mean? Kids are doing something or they're asleep. Phone's got to be put away. TV got to be turned off. Uninterrupted time with you and your spouse. And here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to ask your spouse, how am I doing in this area? And then here, here's, here's the big one. How am I doing in this area according to the Bible? Not what you think. Just how am I doing according to the Bible? Men, here's what you have to do. Okay, wife, honey, Sweetie, that's a good place to start, okay? Honey, sweetie, darling, okay? How am I doing in this area according to the Bible? And here's what you got to do, men. Ready? You got to listen. You got to listen, okay? You got to listen. Now, watch out before you amen too much, okay? You're coming too. All right, here we go. All right, you got to listen. The only, now, here's because here's what will happen. We'll start defending ourselves, guys. We'll start defending ourselves. Well, I know this, but this and that. You can't defend yourself. In no way, shape, or form can you defend yourself. Here's the only thing that you can respond with. You can respond with clarifying questions. If you don't understand something she's saying, you can ask, I don't understand that. Can you explain further? And when she starts explaining, here's what you do. Now, so that's what you're going to do. Now, wives, you're going to do the same thing. You're going to then ask your husband, how am I doing in this area according to the Bible? And wives, here's what you're going to do. I don't know why I'm smiling, okay? I think it's okay. I think, I think the guys want to say more than that. You cannot defend yourselves, wives. You cannot defend yourself in any way, shape, or form. Don't get defensive. You cannot. The only question you can ask is a question of clarification. You know, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Explain that more because I don't understand. And then? 
Now, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Whatever her response is, whatever his response is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take those responses, and I want you to take them to God. And you ask God to work in you what, for what your marriage needs. Notice I didn't say, talk, think about it for a little while and go back to your spouse. You take those things to God. Because here's what's kind of interesting. If you take those things to God, first of all, God's going to deal with your attitude because you're going to have one. Okay? God's going to deal with, with, your, with your, some of y'all may be angry. God's going to deal with your anger. God's going to deal with your justification. God's going to deal with, with you, with you, okay, I, 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 you know, God's going to deal with this whole, you know, well, I'm, I, do, I know I don't do that right every, every time, but most of the time, no. Whatever they say, you take it, you receive it, and you take it to God. And you allow God to work in you what needs to happen, what needs to change, what needs to be different. And whatever God tells you to do, this is so cool about the Christian life, whatever God tells you to do, what are we supposed to? Do it. Just do it. Just follow whatever God tells you to do. Just do it. Because here's what I want to help you with. Marriage is not an institution created by man. Go all the way to Genesis. Marriage was God's idea, not ours. So it's not an institution made by man. It's an institution made by God. When you got married, you weren't just committing to the other person. Biblically, when you got married, you were committing to the other person along with committing to Christ in that commitment to the other person. So it's a big deal, guys. It's a really big deal. And I think everybody's, I hope everybody's on the same page with this. I don't want just a good marriage. I want a great marriage. And let me help you with this. I don't want it, I, 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 wherever it is right now, it can get better. So, man, man, man I, we're in a really good place. My wife and I, I'm just being, and I'm not trying to say this in a, in a, in a boastful way, whatever like that. Katie and I really have a really good marriage right now. You agree with that, right? Okay, good. All right. We have a really good marriage right now. But when I do this exercise in my wife this week, I'm going to hear some things I don't want to hear. And she may hear some things she doesn't want to hear. But the goal is not to have a good marriage. The goal is not just to have a great marriage. It's, okay, wherever we are, let's get better. Let's get better. And I promise you, and, and some of y'all, some of you may be teenagers or single people, you just shut me down, whatever. I'm telling you, this is the kind of stuff, all the married people, would you agree that if you actually put this into place on day one, it would make a lot of difference? It would. It would. So here we go. Let's everybody stand. Let's everybody stand.